Well, this morning, uh, I'm delighted to uh, introduce to you someone that you may, some of you may know or may not know, but he's one of our fellow uh, NAB church pastors here in the city of Vancouver. Um, Pastor David Cho is uh, ministering to a congregation uh, that uh, primary language is in Korean, and they are have been around for, oh, it's been 10 years roughly, quite 8, 10 years, something like that. Uh, and so we want to welcome him to bring the word to us today. And I'm delighted. I always love to hear from other leaders in our city as well. And so would you give uh, Pastor David a warm welcome as he comes to share the word this morning? Well, thanks for having me. And some of you might be surprised to see me today. Life is uh, full of uh, surprises and unexpected turns of events. It's okay. Can I let the music stand? Oh, music stand. Yeah, sorry. And um, nobody knows where I'm going to preach from, uh, so that could be another surprise for you. And uh, out of all books, we're going to... We're going to um, Numbers. So let's go to uh, Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. So Numbers chapter, chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. And uh, I got to an age where when I have to read I have to take off my glasses, and uh, when, when that happens to you, you've at least hit, hit 50. Um, the Lord said to Moses, make two trumpets of... See, I can't see too well. Chapter 14, verses 1 to 10. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelites' assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we possess passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. This is the word of the Lord. This morning... um, Pastor Cheryl was praying, and uh, he was talking about all these uh, global and uh, local uh, issues in church. And um, I felt like uh, this is not the proper place to start my message. Then he mentioned World Cup. 
so I felt kind of relieved. Um, World Cup just ended, and I wasn't watching the game uh, this morning, but uh, last time I checked the score, it was 4-1. Oops. Well, France. So, um, but who'd imagine that Croatia would advance to the final? Um, that was unexpected. And um, one of the shockers, too, was Germany didn't make it to the round of 16. And if you, had a, if you have a German root or you're cheering for Germany, my condolences for you. But um, um, out of all teams, Korea beat Germany 2-0. <laughs> and it felt good. <laughs> like the World Cup, Bible is full of stories of ups and, uh, upsets and underdogs. And uh, we see stories resulting in something that we didn't expect. If I can take a couple of examples, we see the story of David. Nobody thought that David could beat Goliath, except for David himself. And then Gideon, when you go into a war, you, you want to gather men and uh, you know, uh, have a larger number than the enemies. But God asked him exactly the opposite. Reduce your men to 300. And God was fighting for them. Bible also talks about a lot of reversals, the last becoming the first and first becoming the last. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant of all. So what you expect to happen doesn't happen, and and, uh, what you do not expect to happen ends up happening. I think when you get to heaven, there will be a lot of surprises too, a lot of reversals. I heard this story about... uh, Pastor, it's just a made-up story. There's a deacon who made up, made into heaven first, and he's like having good time in heaven. And one day, Jesus is running to the gate of heaven. He's so excited and overjoyed, and he sees this pastor entering into heaven. And when Jesus sees him, like he's like uh, jumping up and down, and he's hugging him and uh, patting on the back and shaking his hands. And he's so excited to see this pastor. And this deacon was a little annoyed and upset. Because when he got there, Jesus didn't show that kind of excitement. So he decided to talk to Jesus. He said, Jesus, when I was here, you didn't didn't really show that kind of excitement. I mean, but when this pastor gets here, you're so excited. What's up with that? And Jesus says, you know, it's such a rare thing to see pastors around here. So when finally one gets here, I have to be overjoyed. And I, I can't, I couldn't resist my, my, my joy and happiness to actually see one. You know, being a pastor is not a guarantee to heaven. And uh, when you actually get there, you may see a lot of people that you don't expect them to see. And vice versa. Do you believe in heaven? You know, we may give intellectual consent. But what we do, what we say, what we think may not have any relevance to things of heaven. So, in actuality, we may live like Christian atheists. 
Life of faith, many surprises, many excitements, and unexpected turns of events. Today's story is kind of one of such unexpected turn of events because of their lack of faith. That ended, ended pretty tragically. And this, is, this story is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. Twelve spies were sent so that they could survey, and survey the land and report back to the people on the nature of its um, terrain, uh, its produce, and its inhabitants. So the intention was so that the people could prepare themselves to enter the promised land. But it did not work out as they, they planned. Twelve people came back and gave a report, and ten of them said, we can't do it. We're like a grasshoppers, and they are so big and, and strong, we can't do it. And it drove, this report drove the people into panic and fear mode. They started weeping in fear and uh, despair. As they were weeping, you know, they needed someone to blame, right? So who else to blame than, than leaders? So they grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and they grumbled against God. Let me just read the verse 2. It says here, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. You know, when things do not go as planned, leadership typically becomes the object of criticism and blame. So the, let's see the response of Moses and Aaron. Uh, verse 5, it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelites' assembly gathered there. So the gesture is, they are pleading with the people, and they are praying to God. They are doing everything in their power to thwart what these people are intending to do. But they were not event, uh, successful eventually. And... Um, here, majority was against the will of God. I see democracy is one of the um, success, most successful systems of government humanity invented, and our country is basically uh, founded on this idea. And uh, I, I, I say, by and large, Baptist way is kind of uh, kind of same too. We, when we have to make a decision, we we put it to a vote of the members, and uh, majority uh, basically. If uh, the will of the majority is this, then, then it's carried. But in this case, democracy was not the way to go. If you put this to a vote, like motion to enter the promised land, that would be defeated by, say, I don't know, two to four to the entire population. When, when we are spirit-filled people, and when we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and his guidance in the process, it would not be an issue. But when our flesh is not in operation, they are tempted to go back. Satan will do anything to entice us back to the old sinful life we have left. We must stand our ground. Our identity has changed in Jesus Christ, and our destiny has changed. We cannot go back. We must continue our heavenward journey. But the Israelites wanted to go back. They had this big Mental block. They could not move forward. The only choice they could make was going back in their mentality. I mean, forget about all the promised land. Forget about God's blessing. Just go back 
to the old ways of life. And then you see Joshua and Caleb. What was their response? They, they tore their clothes. They were grieving over people's lack of faith and trust in God. Let me just read verses 7 to 9. Once again, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. What ten people, ten spies saw with their eyes and what the people heard with their ears, that was the reality. That, that was the extent of their reality. And to them, this reality was much bigger than the reality of God. All they saw, all they heard, all they thought about was the impossibility of the task and the impending defeat and destruction by the hands of enemies. Battle hasn't even started yet, but they were defeated in their mind already. But what was, the different, what was different about Joshua and Caleb? Were they simply optimists or uh, positive thinkers? Okay, I'm going to will to be optimistic and will to have positive thinking. So no matter what happens, I'm gonna, it's going to be okay. It's, it's turned out okay. It's going to be turned out okay. It's not that. It's not about positive thinking or, or uh, optimistic um, mindset. It's, it's all about the God that they believed and trusted in. The Lord is leading us. The Lord is with us. The Lord will fight for us. It's all about believing and trusting in God who is living and active, who is mighty to save. God who is dying to lead them and bless them only if they put their trust and faith in him. So my question is, how big is your God? How powerful is the God that you believe in? Our God is God of universe. Our God is God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. But in our mind, in our unbelief and doubt, we can make him less than he actually, who he actually is. We put limitations and restrictions on what he can do and accomplish. We may still sing songs and say the prayers. But in the depth of our hearts, although we may still hope and wish, we don't really, we don't really believe. I kind of hope that it happens, but I know it's not going to happen. So to some people, God is confined to a church building. He's living and active. As long as they are inside a church building, doing their worship service, singing their songs, saying little prayers. I mean, this is good. We gather together in the church and we worship God and praise him. That's great. But the, the problem is once we are out of the building, God is not relevant anymore. He ceased to exist beyond church walls. And these people come back to church in a week and say, Hey God, I'm back. I hope that you're not too lonely without me. Have you been? And so they treat God like somebody, somebody who's in a nursing home who needs our visits and our um, company. But whether we believe or not, our God is the creator God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. 
And it is up to us to enter into God's vast world and appreciate His greatness and experience His power. But it is also up to us to squeeze God into our small heads and our past experiences and our intellectual and rational mold. So what kind of God do you believe in? Is He the same God that Joshua and Caleb believed in? Or is He the one that the people of Israel refused to believe, thinking that He's not worthy of our trust? The people of Israel came out of bondage, but we have to understand that they came out with a lot of baggage. It's been more than a year since they came out of Egypt, but they have not become new people with new mind and new heart. When they heard the negative report, they responded with this mass hysteria. They started weeping and crying. They were psychologically and mentally, emotionally unequipped to enter the land and conquer the land. They possessed what's called slave mentality. You know, decades of oppression, slavery, and suffering under this brutal Egyptian deprived them of the courage and confidence they needed to win battles and establish their own nation. Slavery mentality, full of negative thoughts and fatalistic ideas, these words describe the people of Israel. You see, some people are scared of succeeding. When success comes, they become anxious and scared. They have anxiety about having good time. I mean, I don't deserve to have this good time. Why is everything going so well? I mean, where's this hardship that I'm so used to? You know, Because to that person, life has been in constant, constant conflict and hardship and struggles. And when things to go well and have a time of peace and well-being, they, they can't take it. They are, they are nervous and anxious. And finally, something does go wrong, and they say, now I can relax. Finally, it's back to normal. No, things are not going well anymore. That's the life that I'm used to. But the Israelites may have come out of slavery and become free people physically, but they can't they take their freedom. It's too much for them. They kept complaining, blaming, and weeping. We want to go back to Egypt. We like that, that life in bondage better, they're saying. The Israelites may have left Egypt, but Egypt had not left them. They lacked dignity and clear identity, which were critical to claiming God's gift to them. The slave mentality had become too deeply ingrained in their psyches. And most of all, As we see here, they fail to put their trust and faith in God. So what happens happens next is, as we all know, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Slavery was all they had known, and they knew no other way of life prior to this time. So I feel like it was almost out of necessity that God had had them wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. You know new generation was needed who was born and raised in freedom, who possessed the courage to fight the battles of conquest. But these people, the first generations who were grumbling against God, were conditioned by their past experiences. They became their own limitations. 
You know, I heard this story about an elephant uh, in a circus, circus elephant. Um, you know, when this elephant is very young, a baby, the trainers put a rope around it and uh, place the other end of the rope on the peg in the middle of the tent. And, and uh, the trainers ask the baby elephant to pull this rope with all its might. And because the elephant is a baby, he doesn't have that strength and he can't pull it. And so the trainers make, him, make the elephant believe that it will never be able to pull, pull that, that rope out of the peg. Now the elephant becomes an adult, he's older, and he still believes that he cannot pull free, while in reality he can pull out the peg and probably rip down the whole tent. The elephant is conditioned to that mentality. Have you been trained like elephants to believe a lie that we cannot become what intended us to be as a church as, or as individuals? Once we believe in our inability and limitations, it's so difficult to break out of it. Only faith in God and trust in, in Him can do that. And out of all these people, Joshua and Caleb had that. So there's a question for you. Who do you hang out with? Who do you spend your time with? With people like Joshua or Caleb? Or with people whose negativity is ingrained in their psyche or in their beings? And how do you spend your time? Worries, anxiety, fears of future, do these things occupy your time? Or do you meditate on the Word of God, read the Bible and study the word of God, and spend time in prayer. Do these words characterize your private life? You are who you hang out with. You are who you spend time with. And you are how you spend your time, time in your private life. Tell me what you do with your time, and time day in and day out, and I can tell you what kind of person you are. God is asking us, how are you going to live? If we want our life to be changed, we cannot dwell in old habits and old thoughts. We need to be renewed by the Spirit of God in Jesus Christ. We need to fill our mind with the Word of God and thoughts of God. We must not be too obsessed with the external circumstances. Instead, our dependence on Christ and trust in him, in him must grow, and his reality must grow bigger and bigger. Instead of focusing on problems, we must focus on God who is bigger than any problem that we can encounter. We must make our thoughts obedient to Christ. We can always come up with many reasons to panic or despair, but we must put our trust and hope in God who is much bigger than any reason to despair. So we should not put limitations on what God can do. So let's not be content with status quo. Although it may as good, it may be as good as, as it is. And let's not dwell in the past. The best is behind us. 
The worst is yet to come. Let's hope that that's not the way we think. If this is the mindset we have, we'll be always afraid of future. We'll be always afraid of doing anything. You know, some Christians suffer from this terrible ambivalence. On one hand, they want to see God's kingdom expand, but they don't really think that we're going we're gonna to see that. They're afraid. They're insecure. They question their identity. And they try to fit in as much as possible. They're fragile. I hope and pray that this does not describe us. Are we going to complain and look back at the old life? Or are we still going to trust him? Let me conclude my message by reading verse 8. It says here, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into their land. If the Lord is pleased with us, when we become God's pleasure, he will surely lead us and bless us. I pray that God's pleasure may rest on each of you. I pray that God's pleasure may rest on Pilgrim Church so that we see God move and work in our midst. I pray that we witness many pleasant surprises and many exciting turns of events because we we put our faith and trust in him. I pray that what God envisions through this church and churches in Vancouver become the reality in our midst. So let's pray for that. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank, thank you that you are God who is living and active. Father God, I pray that your pleasure may be upon each one of us. Your pleasure may be on Pilgrim Church. May we be where you want us to be. May we not be afraid of going where you want us to go. And then, where we are and your pleasure meet, that's a place, I pray, that that's where we stand. Father God, bless this church and continue to work through this church and the people who serve this church so that your work may be manifested and uh, much fruit may be born through the labors of servants in this church. Father God, give us faith such as Caleb and Joshua to believe and trust in you because you are going to do it and you are able and you are powerful. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And for that word, I want to invite you to stand with us this morning, if you're able to do so.